Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Latin American History Podcast, Episode 11, The Ancient Andes. So last week, we looked at the Amazon and discussed whether perhaps our common conception about the area's lack of history is correct. Today, in contrast, we'll look at an area that without doubt is packed full of conventional history and a multitude of civilizations. The highlands of the Andes mountain range are like Mesoamerica, one of the cradles of American civilization. I'm specifically referring to an area running down the western edge of the continent, from modern-day Ecuador, through Peru and Bolivia, down to the north of Argentina and Chile. Of course, geographically, the Andes extends much further than this in both directions. However, culturally and historically, it's this area which forms a complete block. It also encompasses some lowlands, particularly along the coast. However, it is the Andes Mountains that are its defining feature. The region is best known for being home of the Inca. However, while this was by far the most geographically impressive civilization, it was just the latest in a long line of cultures, and a pretty short-lived one at that. This episode, and the next, will examine the pre-Incan history of the Andes, and introduce the region and its peoples. As there was such a long succession of civilizations in the Andes, these episodes will consist of outlines of the major ones, where they were and what made them interesting. I will only provide a basic introduction to each one. I'm very conscious of the fact that this may come off like one big long list. I've done my best to try and make it interesting, so hopefully I succeed. It's commonly accepted that the very beginnings of Andean civilization can be found in the Norte Chico region of Peru. This is an arid lowland place between the coast and the mountains. The first civilization in the region appeared around 3500 BC and it lasted until around 1800 BC. To put this into context, this was almost 2000 years before the Olmecs started building their cities. This would make these people the first real civilization in the Americas, although as I will explain in a moment, this is disputed. Their significance has only been acknowledged relatively recently. It was only as late as the 1990s and early 2000s that these people were generally accepted to have been the first ones to build cities. Norte Chico is a bit of a puzzle, as its existence doesn't really make sense. The main cities are found inland, in the midst of a desert, and it's unclear how they manage to sustain themselves. We found fish bones in these inland cities, which seems strange considering their location. It's been speculated that climate change may explain things. 
This area is heavily affected by the El Niño weather system, and perhaps this area was wetter at the time. There may also have been climate change that caused their culture to collapse, as the area became the desert which it is today. Norte Chico is currently recognised by most as the oldest real civilization, and thus I have presented it as such. There are, however, other contenders about which little is known. A series of sites have been found in the Sachin Valley, which could possibly be older, and there is another one at Huaca Prieta. It's hard to find reliable information on these, and they have only been excavated in the last decade or so. More work has to be done before we can say anything definitive about them, and which one came first. It's also important to be aware of another culture, which was flourishing more or less contemporaneously with Norte Chico. The Valdivia people live much further up the coast in today's Ecuador. We know almost nothing about them, but they are worth mentioning as they demonstrate that civilization was emerging across a wide area that was not just concentrated in one place. We do know that they had agriculture, however, and that they may have done for a long time before their culture developed and started producing the pottery it left behind. It's this pottery which allows us to identify them as a people and forms the bulk of our evidence for their existence. All this earliest history is very woolly, and different people seem to have different ideas about what order all these cultures emerged in, and which were the most important. I think that as time goes on, and we discover more sites and artefacts, things will become clearer. And in my personal opinion, I wouldn't be surprised if the timeline is pushed back. We don't really know when and where exactly agriculture was first developed, for example and Norte Chico's claim to being the original is based on its size rather than it being the first to grow crops, or the first to create things like pottery. This is speculation, but I reckon that Norte Chico may end up losing the title of earliest civilization. It all depends on where you draw the line between what does and what doesn't count as civilization, but I suspect that other cultures, albeit smaller ones, will probably be found to have possessed some of these hallmarks. The true cradle of Andean civilization might even turn out to be Ecuador rather than Peru. A new large civilization did not appear for around 1,000 years after the Norte Chico people stopped living in cities, although small sites from the intermediate period have been found. Eventually, though, a new people did emerge, this time up in the highlands, roughly directly inland from Norte Chico. We refer to them as the Chavin, their own name for themselves is unknown, and they reached their height around 500 BC. Their capital was Chavin de Huanta, and was perfectly located. It had easy access to both high and low altitude areas, which allowed the inhabitants to grow a variety of crops, and the two rivers which met at the city allowed for both defence and transport. That said, there was little evidence that defence and or warfare were important parts of Chavin society. They seem to have lived relatively peacefully. They are known for their fine sculpture, and considering the Norte Chico people lacked pottery and art, these were amongst the first examples of artistic culture in the Andes. They were also noted for their metalwork. There are two main temples in their capital known as the Old and the New Temples. In both, there are large statues of what is presumed to be their highest god. 
These statues are a good demonstration of their artistic style, and the god is depicted as having both human and animal features. Its location in the old temple is particularly interesting. We know that Chavin religion was shamanistic, with the shaman priests having an important status thanks to their ability to communicate with the gods. Hallucinogenic drugs were often used to do this, although whether these were used by the general population or just the priests is unknown. The statue in the old temple is located underground in a chamber which can only be reached by navigating a maze of tunnels. This, along with the effects of the drugs, would have been extremely disorientating and would have created a powerful impression on visitors. Chavin influence went downwards towards the coastline. It stretched in a strip and included most of Peru's coast. They thrived for a relatively short amount of time before disappearing. Apart from Machu Picchu, the most famous pre-Columbian site in South America could well be the Nazca Lions. These huge pieces of art can only be properly appreciated from the sky as they consist of drawings sketched into the dusty earth of the Palpa Valley. They depict animals, including monkeys and spiders. Nobody knows why they were built. It's clear that their creators would not have been able to properly see them, stuck as they were at ground level. It's been put forward that they may have been some kind of calendar, but we don't know for sure. They could have had a religious purpose, or even served as some kind of road network, although this last theory seems unlikely to me. Of course, as their form is only recognisable from the air, there are some who cite it as evidence of extraterrestrial contact. While we might not know their purpose, we do know who built them, a group known simply as the Nazca culture. These people built a society in the Ica region, on the south-central coast of Peru. They existed between around 100 BC and 800 AD, although their roots may have been much older. The land where they lived had previously been occupied by a people called the Paracas, who may have built a civilization as early as 800 BC. The Nazca were heavily influenced by the Paracas, and they seem to have appeared immediately after the Paracas disappeared. The exact relationship between the two is hard to discern. Around 100 BC, similar but distinct forms of cultural expression emerged. By this I mean new styles of pottery, statues and textiles. As these are the most common archaeological finds, and as each distinct culture normally has different artistic styles, it is by comparing the differences in these objects that we piece together an idea of who lived where at what time. We don't know if the Nazca were a new people, and if so, where they came from, because of the similarities in artistic style. Perhaps the Paracas people suddenly experienced a renaissance, during which they experimented with new styles of art. Maybe they were the Nazca. This seems a little far-fetched, but the similarities are undeniable, and there seems to have been an overlap in usage of sites between the two cultures. It's possible that the Paracas state collapsed for some reason, but its people quickly created a new culture. Alternatively, of course, they could have been a completely different people, or a blend of the two cultures. I've seen it written that a group of people may have invaded from the north. It is possible that the blending of the Paraka and these new people created the Nazca civilization and culture. The Paraka's people are best known for their burials and the textiles which accompanied them. 
They dug deep shaft tombs out of the hillsides and buried their dead inside. The deceased was placed in their tomb in a sitting position, alongside gifts and offerings. They were wrapped in several layers of fabric, and these displayed extremely intricate and beautiful patterns. They could have only been produced by a complex weaving technique, and in this area the Paracas are thought to have been one of the most advanced cultures in the Americas. The Nazca people would continue this tradition, as well as building on the methods of farming used by the Paracas. The region these people inhabited is extremely dry. It is in fact almost completely desert. It's not far from the area where Norte Chico is located, and some people even class it as an extension of the Atacama Desert, which is the driest place on earth. It was a challenge then for the area's inhabitants to obtain enough water to survive, let alone grow crops and flourish. The Paracas somehow did it, however, although we're not exactly sure how. The Nazca most likely continued to use the Paracas farming and irrigation techniques, as well as developing them further. They created a system of underground aqueducts, known as puquios, which allowed them to bring water to the desert. These aqueducts were so effective that they're still in use today. The way they worked is really impressive, an ingenious use of the natural elements. The tunnels went right down to the aquifers, where water was accessed and brought to the surface. Amazingly, despite being underground, the water was propelled by wind, thanks to spiral holes dug in the ground. These spirals would trap the wind, funneling it downwards into the water channels, and the difference in atmospheric pressure between the surface and the channels would push the water along. If it sounds complicated, that's because it really is. I'm not sure that I really understand it, so it's astounding that people worked this out so long ago. With their clever irrigation systems allowing them to feed their population, the Nazca were able to develop their society. They built a city at Cahuachi, overlooking the Nazca lines. Originally thought to be a great capital city, it now appears that the site was more ceremonial than residential, and that it may have been the centre of their religion. On holy days, people would descend on Cahuachi from all over Nazca and take part in religious rituals and celebrations. Their religion was based around nature, and their gods were powerful embodiments of the natural elements. This probably reflects the precarious nature of living in this inhospitable land, and shows their fear that they would not be able to obtain the food and water required to survive. The Nazca also seemed to have practiced headhunting, skulls with holes in them, presumably so they could be hung up from ropes and displayed, have been found and there are many paintings of decapitation in their art. Bundles of heads, or sometimes limbs, have been found buried together, and sometimes bodies were buried headless, with a pot painted with a face existing in their place. Heads clearly had some kind of spiritual significance, as alongside these grisly practices, much like the Maya, the Nazca would bind the heads of their young to give them elongated skulls. The Nazca culture declined between the years 500 and 800 AD. This is El Nino country, and it's proposed that environmental changes and possibly a drought made the civilization unworkable. While the Nazca were occupying the southern coast of Peru, another people, the Moche, were living along its northern coastline. 
that may have just about included some of the areas previously inhabited by the Norte Chico and Chavin people at the very south of their territory. For the most part, however, they were slightly further north, stretching right up to the Ecuadorian border. The Moche were probably not a united civilization or empire, but more of a cultural group. They may have been a collection of small states who were united by things like language, artistic and architectural style and religion. They practiced agriculture, helped by a complex irrigation system, and lived in houses made of adobe bricks. Theirs was a stratified society, with high-class people living in bigger, more impressive compounds. These were known as huacas, and they also served as religious centres, with rituals being performed outside. One of these, the Huaca del Sol, at Cerro Blanco, is considered to be the largest pre-Columbian structure in the Americas. Their religion appears to have involved human sacrifice, and they seem to have a fierce god associated with this, known as the Decapitator. He is usually shown as a spider, although occasionally he appears as a winged beast or sea monster. Often he's holding a knife, and sometimes a severed head. The Moche are noted for the quality of their art, and this is as abundant as it is impressive. Their art includes textiles, jewellery and pottery, and some very intricate murals. Many of these survive in excellent condition today, and can be seen in Peru's museums. The Moche seem to have drifted out of existence around 600 AD, and is so often the case, we're not completely sure why. As usual, the candidates for explanation include climate change, social unrest and invasion. With them died what's known as the early ceramic period of Andean history. From this point, history would move on, and grander, more complex empires would fall. Next week, we'll take a look at these. Until then, thank you for listening to the Latin American History Podcast. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.